The underdog is howling. This is Stanford Steve and the Bear. Ah, yes. A home team getting points. What's better than that? Week 10. That's right. Double digits. Uh, we're here, Bear. Uh, I know how fired up you are for this week. Uh, we got Breeders' Cup. We got Greg McElroy. What else on your plate makes this the most hectic week of your, of your season? I, I think from a, a workload standpoint, just preparation, it's earlier in the week with the first, what, what happened Tuesday night with the first release of the, the playoff rankings. There's a lot of moving parts and typing up questions and storylines and topics and throwing hypothetical scenarios out there to kind of <laughs> get the guys ready for, or to at least like throw out there, Hey, this could happen or that could happen because I, I don't, I don't know them. I, I find out when everybody else finds out, but I, I try to do my best bet to guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my, my guess actually was a little off this week, but yeah. So between the, 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 the CFP shows and then the, you know, the breeder's cup column, this pod, uh, actual game day show, a lot going on, but uh, it, it's a, a hectic week, and uh, even making it more hectic and chaotic this week is the fact that Kirk and Maria and myself will be going to to Michigan to do the uh, Penn State-Michigan game uh, early at 345 Eastern. So we're literally right after game day, we're, uh, we're up on that bird flying up to, to Ann Arbor. Yeah. So it's going to be a tight little week in timing. I was, was going to say. Every, every well, second counts. Oh, it sure does. And then we uh, got to try all... and make. Then we got to try and make that nine o'clock flight home DTW to uh, to BDL, the home in time for the second o'clock. half. Oh, you, you got that. I should. I should hope for the that. second half and hope for a, a a a little a little late night get back game potentially. Mm, we will touch on uh, that with Mister McElroy possibly, and in, in, uh, as he's going to be out late out west. Um. We did it last week. Uh, just looking at these early games, want to give you a pick before we get to McElroy. Um, talking to more specifically about Bama and LSU and Georgia and Kentucky, and I'll, I want to do some quarterback stuff in the SEC because I'm just dumbfounded on the lack of production I've seen in in, in the not meeting about my expectations in, at that position in that conference. And I want to pick Greg's brain about that. But I'm going to go noon early. I actually have three games I'm looking at at noon. I'll give you one right now. I think Nebraska is is in some trouble here. Uh, they've obviously been one of my favorite teams um, to follow all year and, and look at their numbers. Uh, obviously, the offense is there, but I've talked about their lack of their defense. I've given out the over in a bunch of their games already this year, and we've been pretty good at that. But I'm just looking at the actually the other side of, of Nebraska here. I, I love uh, Martinez, as I mentioned, at the quarterback. Um, they played Bethune-Cookman, got him in and out last week. Uh, they go to Columbus. I mentioned noon kickoff for Ohio State, who has to be chomping at the bit after a bye week following that embarrassing loss at Purdue. The issue I have here is Nebraska's ability to block that front for Ohio State. Uh, I don't think they can. I imagine Nebraska's going to try a lot of quick game stuff, which takes away from their down-the-field um, attack. And the line's coming down. I, I saw it open at like 20-and-a-half, and now I see, I've even seen a 17-and-a-half this morning. Um, I would lean and, and like Ohio State in this spot. I just think it's an urban two-week, get-ready um, 
we saw you mentioned the rankings. They have a path. It's right there in front of them. Win out. You got to feel good about the Buckeyes making the playoff. Uh, I, I say Ohio State in an early kickoff uh, on Saturday. So that would be the side I'd play as well. And, and the fact that you're actually better off with the number you're getting here, I, I, I think, is a, a, a good sign. I, I like a nooner as well. Oh. Uh, I like I like Baylor at home getting seven and a half, or I think there are a couple of eights out there as well, if you can find them. A little uh, let down from the post. Oklahoma State. This is a pattern with Oklahoma State. If you look at the times they have pulled outright upsets as underdogs, they come back the following week as a favorite, typically don't cover. Uh, Baylor was terrible at West Virginia, embarrassingly bad, and I would be surprised if uh, Matt LaRue's boys uh, did not play better. I mean, this is still a team that – that nearly went to Texas and won. Uh, Kansas State, they beat, blew out Kansas. Uh, the Oklahoma game, they put up 33 at Oklahoma. So this is a team that I think is scoring. I, I know Brewer's a little beat up, but uh, it, it seems like Oklahoma State sandwich spot between a, the, the upset last week, Bedlam next week. Just yeah, I just don't like the spot at all for Oklahoma State. I think they, I think they'll win, but uh, but I'd certainly take the points. You're as good as there is at noticing those spots and in those situations. You mentioned the success with Baylor. So uh, maybe a little early upset uh, on the horizon early on. Um, plenty of more picks to go. I actually got to get your take on a couple uh, totals I'm looking at in some games also that I'm not sure if I'm going to make official, uh, but I want to discuss on the back end. But first, uh, I mentioned Greg McElroy. He joined us in the preseason uh, as good as we have there, um, he's going out to Pullman to call Cal and Wazoo. So uh, we'll do a little travel itinerary from Birmingham to Pullman and how that's going. And obviously I want to preview some SEC as long as you do. And I know you have a question about the Big 12 for him also, as he's called plenty of games there. So uh, let's get to uh, one of our best analysts we have at ESPN, Greg McElroy. We welcome in Greg McElroy. Again, we'll be in Pullman for that late kick, 1045 Eastern uh, Saturday night, and which should be a – I know I saw the crowd sold out, so you will get a good taste of the Pacific Northwest, my friend. I'm fired up. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be <laughs> – it's going to be interesting going up there. I mean, I've been wanting to get in that direction for a while. Never thought that I'd make it to Pullman, uh, at least yep. not at this point of the season, because I don't think anyone, <laughs> self-included or y'all, anyone could have predicted this type of season from Washington State. So uh, very excited to go see it, and I'm glad I'm catching it before it gets really, really cold. It's only supposed to be in about the 40s with a little rain. So uh, I think we're catching it at the right time. So, so are That's, we go? Are we going to Spokane, or are we going to Seattle, and then to uh, the Pullman, Moscow? Oh, just a little. Uh, the Birmingham to to Pullman direct was booked, so I have to go <laughs> Birmingham to Atlanta, Atlanta to Seattle, Seattle to Spokane, staying the night in Spokane oh. because I can't. I can't get there like any less than like 12 hours. It's like a 12 hour trip, <laughs> no matter what. So I, in order to save face for the radio in the morning, I'm, I'm going to stay in Spokane and we ended up doing it there, uh, all three nights. So just commute down for the game and some meetings on Friday and it'll be good. It'll actually be a nice trip. Dave's been talking Spokane up for a while. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what Spokane has to offer. It's beautiful out there. Having made that drive two weeks ago from Spokane to Pullman. It, 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 it's, it's, it's beautiful country out there. 
and yeah. uh, and I think you, I, I think you'll like Pullman. It, it's a, it's a, it's a cool little place, and, and they love, and they love their team, no doubt. And, and it certainly seemed that way it. when you guys were there. <laughs> Do that drive during the day, Spokane to Pullman, because I can't imagine what the wildlife is like at nighttime on that drive. Um, but we wanted to get you on to obviously talk Bama LSU. Uh, I want to do some other SEC with some games in the East, obviously Georgia, Kentucky, and Missouri, Florida. I have a question about. But let's just start with Baton Rouge. Let's start with Bama LSU. Your year, that was 09, correct? Correct, yes. That was the that was a little slip screen you threw to Julio that he busted? Yes, the little right. uh, yes, little screen to the left. Yep, yep, yep. On the short side of the field, remember that one uh, like it was yesterday. I want to start with this, Greg, and and obviously everyone always wants to go inside the practices and meetings with Bama and Saban, knowing what he you know had prior at LSU. What about LSU week makes you know it's different with Coach Saban uh, going into the game? You know, obviously this one is, is at Baton Rouge, but what's different? What can, what can you tell us is different about Coach Saban in a big game week like this? He, he's not different. Like really? he treats, yeah. And it's, that's what's probably so remarkable about him. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's the same guy if we're playing Western Kentucky as if we're playing Texas in the national championship. I mean, you're going to get the same guy. Like his sense of urgency, him being, uh-huh. uh, very vocal at practice isn't going to change based on, Based on the, the team that you're playing on the upcoming game, he, he is going to be as consistent as it gets. And that's probably why his team never plays to the level of a competition. They always play to their own standard and they don't lose games to teams they shouldn't because he respects every team really does. And, and the team does too. I can remember vividly going into games thinking, man, if we don't play well, we're going to lose and we're playing the Hilltoppers on Saturday. You know, it's like, it's, <laughs> Not that I mean, we could probably go out and lay the biggest egg ever and still win by 21. Uh, but he really doesn't change, man. That's probably why the team has responded so well and why big environments like this aren't really, they don't really affect Bama in a negative way. I, I, I'm so glad that you said that because I had a, a friend who played at a power five school and they were having a very, they were having a special year. And their circle the calendar game approached on their schedule that day. And the Monday that week, the head coach, he said, made the game in the week out to be the biggest thing ever. And right. it completely took the players and the team out of their mentality. And they're like, wait a minute, like their, their entire routine, their, their entire mindset was like, Oh my God, this really is a big deal. And, right. And predictably, they went out that Saturday and got beat pretty badly. So, yeah, I, I think you letting that inside out is pretty, is pretty instrumental and pretty helpful. A, not only why they win these big games, but B, why they've won, what, 81 straight games against unranked teams and just don't lay eggs. Yeah, it's been a decade since they lost to an unranked team. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like when you think of the level of consistency and the fact that the worst beating Nick Saban's ever taken at Alabama since 2007 is 14 points. Like that is truly <laughs> remarkable. So it, it is, uh, he is a guy that's really, now us as players, like we're not stupid as our, 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 especially the guys that have NFL aspirations. Like we know that 
if we want to play at the next level, we better play well against LSU because all those guys are going to the league. All of us are going to the league. Like this is our money game, right? Like this is the game <laughs> that we want the scouts to put on. Like we knew. So you knew that there was a little extra urgency built into the preparation just from a player's perspective and, and really from an accountability standpoint. Like I can remember guys watching more tape against LSU because one, you're bored because you're coming off a bye week. Two, you're anxious to get back to football. And three, you know that this is going to be the first tape that everyone puts on when they start to evaluate whether or not you're an NFL prospect. So uh, it, it definitely changes your approach as a player, but Coach Saban tries to keep it especially the time that you're at the facility from 2 to 6 every day, he tries to keep that time very, very uniform, and, and it doesn't deviate much from, from how it would look any other week. I, I, with, with the first week of the – I'd be remiss if I didn't ask your opinion on the uh, – two-part question. Did anything surprise you or what surprised you the most uh, Tuesday night with the uh, the first college football playoff? rankings reveal and then as a result of something you saw in the standings and the rankings uh, do you is there anything or any team that you think may either play with a little bit bigger of an edge this week or maybe they have a little bit of a letdown disappointed about where they are is anything you see anything you see Tuesday night uh, you think translate to either a team playing better or maybe not playing as well on Saturday well, there's one team, but they're a 40-point favorite, and uh, you know that's a lot of points. <laughs> Clemson's at number two, and I you heard Dabo yesterday on the show say, "Hey, we're just glad to be around." You know, it's a yep. uh, you know he, he played the whole Dabo thing. Hey, it's Alabama and everybody yeah. else, yep. right? We're I mean, kick we're, the ball off. We're going to catch. Yeah. We're going to throw. We're going <laughs> to. Yeah, we're just glad to be here. We call it the one of y'all. You're uh, like he he's. You know, he, he's definitely, he's been preaching to his team. I feel like, Hey, they, they don't think we're worth the damn. Alabama's the only team that's any good in this country. And, and we got to show them every week. Like Dabo thrives in that type of environment. So I wouldn't be shocked to see them go out and absolutely pummel a team in Louisville that hasn't played at all really since the Florida State game and is seemingly kind of collapsing in on itself. So I wouldn't be shocked if that scores like sixty-five-three. I mean, I really <laughs> believe that. Like, yeah, I mean, shock, so. Shocking that they would absolutely throw in the towel and and lay an egg after the coach cost them the game against Florida State, isn't it? <laughs> I know it's yeah, amazing how so, that happens. So hard to imagine. But by the way, I, I think the last three weeks Clemson's outscored their opponent eighty to nothing in the first half. So they might not have to try too hard to uh, to, to run up the number. There. Okay, so so we got you got this down right. All right, so Felica likes first half Clemson, Clemson first half thirty there you go. thirty points first half perfect. That's a good call. Um, so I like I like Clemson to play with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, even though they're ranked number two. Uh, fully expect Oklahoma to play with a chip on their shoulder. Ohio State's one that's really fascinating to me. That that's the team. Like if there's anybody that no one's really talking about. And Ohio State sitting there at number 10, and they're probably sitting there thinking to themselves, man, we just got embarrassed two weeks ago. Like Now we've had two weeks to talk about it, think about it, watch the tape. People are talking about our coach and whether or not he's going to be back next year. And now you have Washington State, whose non-conference consisted of uh, Wyoming, San Jose State, and Eastern Washington, and they're ranked two <laughs> spots higher than us. By the way, the team in front of us is about... 
uh, a hundred miles south named Kentucky and they're in front of us. Are you kidding me? We're Ohio State. Like I can see Ohio State going out on Saturday at home in front of their fans and absolutely drubbing Nebraska. Uh, I really could see that. Even though Nebraska's been trending in the right direction, Ohio State not so much, but I could see Ohio State absolutely dominating that game on Saturday. Speaking of that team, Big Blue Nation uh, doesn't know what to do with themselves. Uh, they, they, all they, they. The, I just love it because they just keep saying we're enjoying this. We've never had this before. But if you say something derogatory about their offense, like it's, <laughs> it's, you know how they get. I mean, there's, there, there's nobody like that. So they're, they're, you know, they're keeping it civil like they always do. Um, but they host obviously Georgia. Um, and they're mad because game day is not going to be there. Uh, right. Sorry, there's a bigger game in your conference. <laughs> when when you look at the offense, like it taught you know they get you know I hear about how the quarterback you know is 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 all set now, but he missed part of last week. Right. They're fortunate to 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 get eight straight three and outs from the zoo, who I'll touch on in a bit. But when you like this Georgia, the consistency of Fromm in the throwing game. Does that travel to Lexington this week? I actually like Kentucky's matchup better this week than I did last week. Like last wow. week, I thought Josh Allen could be neutralized with the quick passing game that Missouri was going to throw at him. Thought that, that this secondary might have their hands full a little bit, just with the amount of weapons, not necessarily the quality of the weapons. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't, and I, I just didn't think Kentucky would be able to run the football real well. And they, they didn't really run the ball as well as they thought. Um, so I actually thought, I thought Mizzou was going to win this game and, and they didn't. But now moving forward, you look at a Georgia team who just surrendered 170 yards on the ground to Florida. Yeah, they were better in the second half and Fromm played his best ball, but I would argue that Kentucky's secondary is better than that of, of the Florida Gators. I know it sounds crazy to say. Like, I know, I promise you, I'm being realistic when I say this, and it's not without reason. Florida has been DBU for a long time. They're not very good in the secondary uh, right now. They are uh, at best average in the secondary, and they're not at 100% in regards to health either. So um, it wasn't shocking to me to see Georgia mix run pass and have a lot of effectiveness through the air. But Kentucky's a pretty good matchup. So I look at that number, and I see nine points. I'm like, gosh, that seems like a lot of points. Uh, it seems like an awful lot of points in a game that will probably be low scoring. Kentucky will shorten it as much as they can. There won't be a ridiculous amount of possessions. Both teams, I mean, Kentucky is more one-dimensional than Georgia. That's why I would still pick Georgia to win the game. But, man, that seems like a lot of points to me. It really does. Over under only 44 in that game. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a slugfest. Low 20s, <laughs> first one 20 wins. Like, I really believe that. I mean, people, gotcha. people look at Kentucky – and they're a little enamored with what they've been, not what they are. And they are very physical. They're sound in the run game. They have unselfish players in the front that know how to play to their role. And you have to earn your yardage against them, man. I mean, they are, they are a really good group and they are, uh, they're not sexy by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but they know how to get it done. So uh, I'd actually be a little surprised if this game wasn't a little closer than the experts think. Right. A game in the Big 12 that could go a long way in determining who Oklahoma will play in the Big 12 championship game. I'm going to assume the Sooners do reach that conference champion. Texas on the road last week predictably lost in a spot that Oklahoma State really needed the game. And Oklahoma State's offense played fantastic. 
Uh, Texas comeback falls short. West Virginia was absolutely incredible offensively against a completely overmatched Baylor team. Now the Longhorns go home. They're a small favorite over West Virginia. Uh, last time we saw West Virginia on the road, they were completely manhandled in Ames. Where, uh, where, where are you uh, leaning here? What do you think the uh, the biggest matchup will be for, um, for, for Texas on Saturday? I would like Texas better if they were a slight home dog. But the fact that they're a slight home favorite, it's like, I agree. you know what I mean? It's a little bit. I mean, for some reason, when you look at, at just everything that Tom Herman's been, he, he just is so much better as a dog. And I, I can't put my finger on as to why, but he just knows how to press the buttons. When, when they're in that role. I'm still a little concerned about Sam Ellinger at 100%. I'm a little concerned about their defense having gotten exploited a little bit last week. Now, they tightened up in the second half, but if you look at Oklahoma State, they were really able to work the middle of the field. They were able to push those corners a little deeper than they're probably comfortable going. And if there's one thing that Will Greer can do, he can stretch the field. I mean, he can really stretch the field. You mix that and with a little bit of a run game, not exactly a, a dynamic run game or a run game that, that can take it over, but man, West Virginia is playing good football. Uh, I, I would probably still lean slightly towards Texas um, just because that home field is now actually a home field. I remember the wine and cheese crowd that used to exist probably five, six years ago. <laughs> exactly. Now it's a legitimate <laughs> home field advantage, so I'd probably lean a little bit in favor of Texas, but... Um, I don't do so with a ton of confidence. Uh, I do it based on home field and the fact that they're a little bit more complete on both sides of the ball, uh, whereas West Virginia is slightly more offense-centric and against good defense, West Virginia's offense hasn't exactly always traveled. Gotcha. Um, I want to just go back to the SEC and make this like part of a Missouri thing, but you know, obviously bigger picture in the conference, Greg. When I watch, I, I just, I can't get over that Missouri offense last week. Like, I couldn't be more disappointed in what they were and what they had in front of them. Like, I like the guys Drew Locke has to throw to, and he's just was, he's just off just a hair. But then it's just like crucial situations, the decision making where it's, you know, hey, you have a lead, move the chains. And it just, it never seemed to click. And I like, I mean, I don't watch these guys as closely as you do when you look at the position. And I hear about, you know, coming into the season, how great the position is from a talent perspective in the conference. And I just see so many guys not playing to what I was expecting. Do you, like, do you agree? Can you explain that? I mean, is there a description of why? I mean, obviously I get the defenses are legit in the conference, you know, as they always are. But, you know, what, what do you say to that? Like, I'm hearing Drew Locke at the next level. I, I don't know, man. I'm with you. I, I don't know where that comes from. And I like Drew a lot. Good kid. But yeah. that's a franchise guy. I, man, there's, that's, that's a reach to me. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying there as far as quarterback uh-huh. play is concerned. Uh, even one of the best quarterbacks in the league, Jake Fromm, has certainly fallen subject to a lot of criticism this year, rightfully or wrongly. Like he, uh, he has been I – mean, he was basically blamed – uh, yep. for the LSU game and, and yeah. the debacle that was. And fair or unfair, did he have his best stuff that day? No, but that guy is pretty dang steady. But even he's had moments where he's been a little down. I guess go through the league. I mean, Kentucky, quarterback is a significant liability. Florida, Felipe Franks had been progressing, but is that a position of strength? No. South Carolina, 
about how I would evaluate Florida. Solid, um, does make occasional mistakes with Jake Bentley, but not, not exactly a guy that can completely take over a game, put the team on his back and show you how it's done. Uh, Kyle Shermer at Vanderbilt, he's actually one of the better quarterbacks. Uh, in the SEC, and that offense for Vanderbilt is actually sneaky good. Be careful with them. They might get to a bowl game if they can continue going, especially around Keyshawn Vaughn, their running back. Jarek Garantano, the fact that he's been one of the more consistent passers in the last month is is pretty alarming. And then Mizzou sitting at 0-4. Now, granted, in the SEC, they're 0-4, and two of their losses come against Georgia and Alabama, and they just lost last week to Kentucky. So they lose to three teams in the top nine in college football. It's not that bad. And three good defenses at that, but, but Drew Locke has, I mean, if you're a first round guy, if you're a franchise guy, you gotta be able to take over a game. And, and he hasn't all the time. He's made some nice throws. Um, but he's never been a guy that's operated real well from the pocket as, uh, against the top tier defense. So he's gotta be able to do that in the last month of the season. Uh, two is a, a freak show. And, and that's probably, <laughs> that's probably part of the reason why we don't look at these quarterbacks in the yeah. real positive light. Cause we are all yeah. holding them to a standard that two is set. That is unreachable. The guy is is doing things that we've never seen before in the SEC. And and that's when comparing him to past Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks in the SEC. The guy's ridiculous. Uh Joe Burrow at LSU is is a, I would say a slight liability. Um not overly talented, decent enough runner, but you can't complete fifty three percent of your passes and be considered a strength. I just can't. Yeah. And I know LSU fans seem to always clamor around Oh, he's more than a game manager. Uh <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. I like him as a guy and he's steady at the yeah. position, but there's way too many negative play. He takes a ton of sacks and he has a lot of incompletions. Like he has a lot of negative yardage yep. and zero yardage plays in the passing game and that's not good. And he's going to probably have a tough time this weekend. Uh, Kellen Mond's the second best quarterback in the SEC right now. Uh, but huh. even he has had some weaknesses last, last week, uh, against Mississippi State. Nick Fitzgerald's been, uh, his, do- his inconsistencies Man. have been well documented. Jared Stidham, same for him. Ta'amu has, you know, he doesn't have help that he has a terrible defense on their side. And then Arkansas quarterback situation's a mess. So yeah, yeah. I would agree with you. We just went through the whole, whole roster. <laughs> and how many do you feel good about? Three? Yeah. I mean, seriously, I feel good no, about exactly. three. I'm totally with, I, that's why I just want to make sure it was coming from somebody else that obviously watches it more than me. Cause I'm sitting here watching, you know, when I can and not really dialed in at the position. I'm just like, wow, man, every guy like you just went through is under, you know, expectation level. Underachieved. Real, real yeah. quick, though, how much do you think the fields thing has has affected Jake from? I don't think it has. That guy's no. pretty steady. OK, um, the, the LSU game was like a it was like a comedy of errors. I mean, it, it just and it really wasn't that bad, but they abandoned the run game and his. And Jake Fromm, for as good as he is and as accurate as he is, he still needs a run game to to kind of lift him up. He's only a sophomore. The guy hasn't played a million snaps. So it's not surprising that he's still pretty young in his development. Um, and when you abandon the run game and put the game exclusively on his shoulder, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge for him to, to kind of to carry the load, if you will. You, may, you mentioned you brought up Drew Locke in Missouri. You mentioned Florida. Who has the easier time getting back up this week. Uh, Missouri's a six-point underdog in Gainesville. Is, is it Missouri who couldn't get a first down in the second half, gave a game away by not being able to get a first down, then they get a horrific P.I. call against them right. and, and Kentucky scores? Or is it Florida who you had your chance to, to win the East against your biggest rival 
uh, you're in the game in the third quarter, then kind of you, you just kind of get beat, and the better team wins. Uh, how how tough is it going to be for Missouri? Do you think on Saturday to to get up, or are they just in a in a mood where they're so angry that you know what they're, they're going to come to play? Well, you know this one this one's another tough one to go with. Like if I had to go one direction or the other, uh, I would probably take Missouri in the points. Hmm. Looking at Florida right now. Um, they got a little exposed last week and they're going to try to run the football and Missouri's pretty stout against the run and can hold up and they have some dynamic guys in the front. Felipe Frank's issues that kind of came to fruition last week. I'm not sure they're going away. Um, I like Florida to win the game, but I can't imagine they're going to run away with it. I uh, would expect Missouri to keep it close and for the Florida defense to make a play or two down the stretch and sack Drew Locke or force a fumble, giving them the short field, and they make a play and, and score a touchdown and win the game. But I, I expect this game to be pretty close. And both teams, I would expect a ho-hum performance from both teams. I really would. I just Emotional wins last week by the opposition have a tendency to kind of stick with you. Mm-hmm. And knowing that Florida is playing for a consolation prize <laughs> and Missouri's Season is essentially on the line. Their coach's job is on the line. It's a gotta-have-it situation. I would expect them to play a little better than they're probably capable of, but Florida technically has a little more talent. And if Missouri had better wide receivers, I'd like their chances of pulling the upset outright. But I expect them to keep it close, but just not close enough to beat Florida. I, 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 need, a, I need a quick pick from you on one game this week. <laughs> one and eight Rice versus <laughs> winless UTEP. <laughs> The longest losing streak in college football. Rice currently minus one at home over the Miners. You, you, you got Bloomie's team, or yeah, you got going Danny Devil Boys? I'm going with Bloomgren. I uh, first of all, have you seen UTEP? It, I mean, it, it's a <laughs> everybody's tough all fired up because <laughs> yeah. they they played well against UAB last week. Yeah, and that's exactly that's the uh, that's the kiss of death. Like, oh my goodness, they've turned it around. Sure enough, yeah, they only Rice lost nineteen nothing last week. Yeah, they, man, they held them under twenty. Wait, I mean, I I feel bad for UTEP, man. That's a that's an impossible like that's an impossible job. And looking at all the other schools in the state of Texas right now, like how many other schools are struggling? Like all hmm. of them are doing. For the most part, pretty well. Now, there's an exception or two sprinkled in here, there, and Rice is one of those exceptions. But it's going to get tougher and tougher and tougher because West Texas has dried up like the oil, and there's just <laughs> not the talent out there that there used to be. However, East Texas, big time, and uh, and you have to think that that UTEP is a job that's not going to get a whole lot easier than it is right now. Man, um, yeah. All right. Which way so are you leaning, Bear? Are you? I know you're on Rice. You have to be. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to go go with the uh, go with the crispies at home there in, 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 in Houston. <laughs> Even though I, I will say I, I want to see UTEP win, though. No, no, no college team should go through a year completely winless. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd like to see I'd like I'd like to see UTEP get a get a win here in the final four games. But you know, you know where they could win. I mean, if they don't win this week, they could potentially win in Western Kentucky. Gosh, oh, how 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 far have they? You talk about you. You want to know how good a coach Brom was? Look at how far Western Kentucky has fallen the last couple of years. And honestly, on the offensive side of the football, like if we're going to talk about, like Western Kentucky used to light up the scoreboard. Now yeah. we're looking at Western Kentucky. They can't score. I mean, they're like, it's like Correct. 10 points, 17 points, 14. It's like, oh my God. They, they, at least when they would lose back in the day, they'd score 40. But now they, they're like a, 
They're they're nothing like they used to be. It's wild, man. It is. It is just that. Well, uh, what's the scenario for the travel back home uh, Sunday? Oh, is that like yeah. a six a.m. to midnight? Oh yeah, no, that's a six a.m. or <laughs> wheels up, and then touching down in Birmingham, Alabama, around five thirty p. So a, a cool fourteen hour travel. It's not. It's not that. Uh, no, it's not quite that many. It's because you lose a couple hours. You lose two hours. So, well, uh, he's, it's not too bad. He, he remember this weekend though. Spring ahead, fall back. You oh, get that's the hour this back. That's you big. The, that means it, that means I might be able to have a bourbon by the time we finish this game. Go to the bar, there you go. Throw a few back. Absolutely. Tell Pass to pack the cooler for back to that ride back to Spokane. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, now, now you'll get to experience Friday morning. It. it, it at uh, 4 a.m. local when, when the first team will, will be on the air and, and why uh, you guys were exceptionally good-hearted and, <laughs> and pushed me back and allowed me a little extra time to sleep. Yeah, well, I can promise you this much, Bear. You'll be filling it up for the half hour that you're with us. I won't have as many questions, I can assure you, at 5.30 as I do at 7.30 when I'm usually on the air with you. Uh, I, I can do that. I'm good at that, I'm told. Beautiful. Yes, fill it up all the way. I'm just going to hit you on the ponies. I'm going to say, hey, what do you think of Belmont 6 There you uh, go tomorrow, and then just let them go? <laughs> well, well, well actually, if you want to be succinct there, Greg, and accurate, we've moved on from Belmont to Aqueduct now. The Belmont media is <laughs> but, oh, good call. Yeah, I apologize. Yeah, we're south now. I, apo- I, should, I, I What am I thinking? Oh, my I goodness. Should ju- I, should just go the, I should just go for the entire hour, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Just why not? Fill it up. <laughs> Let's go race by race. Aqueduct. Let's do it. Is there anything going on right now in Del Mar out, out west? No, uh, Santa uh, Anita is still going on right now. Yeah, Del Mar is closed for now. So oh, we'll, we'll go Santa Anita through, uh, through, the, uh, through the spring. Oh, he's dialed in. He's dialed in. Right. He is. <laughs> Gulf, he Gulf, is. Stream, Gulf Stream is just around the corner. <laughs> I uh, love it. And if, in worst case, you still have a, a bunch of races in Europe and, and in uh, like UAE. So if it closes down here entirely in the continental U.S., you're, you'll go international, Bear. I know you will in a heartbeat. <laughs> there, there, there's always there's always action somewhere. <laughs> and I, you are the one to find it. That's for sure. We'll try. We'll try. Thank you, brother. All right, boys. You got it, man. We'll talk to y'all. Take care, Greg. Thanks again to Greg. Uh, always great catching up with him, and he's as in-depth as there is. Uh, all right, Bear, it's time. We mentioned earlier week 10. I can't believe it. Um, but there are some games that stick out to me. We've been on a, on a, on a pretty good run here, and uh, we want to try and continue it, even though we know the numbers are stacked against us and we're, we're ready. But uh, we're going to keep firing. Um, I'm going to stay in those early games. I look at South Carolina. Going to Ole Miss, um, South Carolina, not impressive last week. This is a noon kickoff also, I believe. Uh, hold on one second. Yep, SEC Network, noon Eastern. Uh, the game's a pick em. Um, I just I, – I, I like that Ole Miss has, has found success. I just think they're, they're really flawed. And I'm not saying South Carolina is a great team at all. They're a decent team. They're just more balanced. And when I look at that Ole Miss team, the defense is is not there. Um, Bentley is back. I, I noticed, you know, they tried doing a couple more things tempo-wise. Um, I think South Carolina can score with them early if Ole Miss jumps out. I just like South Carolina's team as a whole better. Uh, Muschamp, being defensive-minded, we know Ole Miss likes to throw the ball down the field. 
Uh, I think South Carolina can run the ball and control the game. I'll take South Carolina to win this game. I they're a team that really is in, in need of a win. Yeah, um, a, a team that I think is in need of a win or in need of a revenge, big statement type win is Michigan. Uh, they're mm. ten and a half point favorite at home against Penn State, and Penn State last year made Don Brown's defense look as inept and awful as any offense I can ever imagine. <laughs> and it fits in with the whole Michigan revenge tour theme. Uh, they want to beat Wisconsin to beat a top 15 team, team that beat them last year, beat Michigan State, who they'd struggle with, finally beat that in-state rival. Next on the hit list is Penn State, which just annihilated them last year at State College. And watching Penn State, I think they've got a ton of defensive problems. And I think Michigan coming home, uh, Shea Patterson's been playing better at home offensively. They are a completely different team. And, and I think Trace McSorley is going to have a a very busy night running around and trying to uh, avoid being on his on his back and on his side for a majority of the evening because I think the Penn State offensive line has some problems as well. This number is 10 and a half, and, and I, it, it's just a weird mentality on how I think. I like the fact that it's 10 and a half because I don't think those key numbers really matter as much in mm-hmm. college because I don't think the kickers are as good. And I think the hook there kind of is tempting people to take the underdog and maybe think twice about, about taking the favorite again. That's just the way I think. You can laugh at me, do whatever, but I, I, I think this is this is a 38-17 type game in my opinion. Wow, you think they score that much? Okay. Yeah, I uh, do. All right. Yeah, I, I, I could see especially how Franklin handled that ending of last year and, always, you know, how he does it, you know, keeping that foot on the gas. I could see uh, the man in the hat and glasses in Ann Arbor trying to – Trying to make a statement. I, I, I see what you're saying there. Um, I'm going to stay in that noon slate. I mentioned I have a couple that I like. Um, I'm going to go. We are going to ride this team into the ground until they don't cover anymore. <laughs> I don't care. I've talked about Matt Campbell, how much I love him. Uh, I love seeing Iowa State get a ranking. Um, I'm, you know, big win last week uh, in, a, in a lucky cover, but we'll take it. Uh, it's Iowa State traveling to Kansas. Uh, it's at noon. Um, KU coming in sky high off their win over TCU. They ended a 14-game losing streak. Uh, but Iowa State, I mentioned, just love everything about them. And I was reading, according to Sager, and they have the toughest schedule uh, in, the, in the country so far. Um, they're, you, you know, you tweeted earlier, they might, this week, they might have a shot uh, sneaking in the back door of the yeah. conference title game. Uh, they went undefeated in October. Uh, Brock Purdy, I meant, you know, just been unbelievable. They're averaging over 39 points a game, 460 yards of offense. Montgomery, 33 carries last week against Texas Tech. He leads the Big 12 in, in his 12th uh, nationally in, in yards on, on the ground per game. Um, they're given 14 and a half. I, I, I just think their, their defense is good enough. And Kansas may be a little sky high, as I mentioned. I just like this spot. It's, it's not anything that's going to get it crazy. It's not like Lawrence is going to pack the joint for a noon kickoff as a ranked Cyclones team comes in. So 
we're going to ride the clones, man. Um, and we'll let's stay on Iowa State. We boy, did we need that one last week? That, that got the day off to a, uh, a really good, pleasant. As much as the Iowa State special teams tried to uh, cost them that game with with a couple yeah. of questionable yeah. decisions, uh, mm. it was good to see that 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 play call and. and and throw the ball downfield to put the game away. Not one of the run, re- run, main run, reasons run. I love them. They don't stop. Uh, so I, uh, in, in the the most difficult thing amongst the scenario of what Iowa State would need to happen to get to the Big Twelve championship game uh-huh. is basically them winning in Austin. Everything else is is very likely to happen. The game in Lubbock is interesting to me. Mm. Uh, our power numbers have Oklahoma as about an eight-point favorite. It's 13-and-a-half. Don't you just get the sense after last week losing that game in, in Ames and really didn't play great, but we're still in it? Uh, I, I don't know about you. I, I kind of feel like they're going to get either OU or Texas the next couple of weeks, don't you? Yeah. Uh, I... Maybe you don't. <laughs> more Texas, more Texas. I, I don't know, man. The Oklahoma scares the heck out of me. And ever since McShay said that he's they're the scariest one loss team, I totally agree. Um, you know, they made a couple adjustments defensively since Fire and Stoops, but I see what you're saying. I, absolutely, you know, watching Texas Tech and they're they're not even getting close to the credit they deserve for being as proved as they are on both sides, but. Hey, man, Levy and the crew are going to be there. I've been at that 8 o'clock Eastern kickoff in Lubbock. Things do get weird, but I, it's tough for me to go against Lincoln Riley. Yeah, I, I, I could be very interested in taking the uh, the 13-and-a-half here in, te- All right. in Texas Tech. Uh, what, what I thought was in your favor is that the first number I saw in this game that really made me look was I saw Oklahoma minus 10, the first number I saw. So 13-and-a-half, you, you got to like what you're seeing there. And again, same weird way my brain is wired. Under 14, <laughs> it's un, it, under two touchdowns. Wow, they win by 14. Yeah. We, we, we still win. Just, I'd, be, I'd be careful here. I, 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 I think Bowman and Tech, I think they're going to put up some points on Saturday. All right, I will add, I know how you don't like, you know, we're in thick of conference schedules here, and the Big 12 is not on your – preferred list so i could see you being a little more upset at this game if it were to lose than others is that correct maybe no not as i've actually no? felt like right. I've, had a, I've had a much better feel on the big 12 this year had okay. oklahoma state last week we've had iowa state a bunch we, mm-hmm. we, we we've been okay with the had texas had, had tcu against, against ohio state we, we, we we've been much better with the uh had kansas in the non-conference game at central michigan we, we, okay, we, we we've been we've been better with the conference this year. All right, I'm just looking at the game, and obviously everybody points to the last time this was in Lubbock. It was Mahomes and Mayfield, and it was one of those games that you and I both can't stand oh. with both. You know, so I could see that being one of these, which you know, a boat race possibly. Um, but I know how you know you and I get upset at those kinds of football games because we like seeing a little defense at least. Correct. Um, that's all. So you're going to be you're going to take the Red Raiders plus thirteen and a half. Okay, very good. Um, I'm going to go to my American Conference. Um, I'm looking at a team that's lost five straight, uh, and they're catching thirteen and a half, and that's the Naval Academy. 
I loved what I saw in the second half against Notre Dame. Now I get that Notre Dame is is maybe you know call off the dogs when they're up twenty seven nothing at halftime. But what Navy's never going to do is fold like a cheap suit or the suits that I own. So <laughs> they I, I, they're playing Cincinnati. Um, I was just you know looking at stuff here. I mentioned thirteen and a half. Cincinnati's been a great story. I don't want to take anything away from Fickle here, but I just wonder if they're that much better than Navy, who's you know what we know that option offense never going to stop. Uh, I went back and looked at last year because I want to know what happened here, knowing that Fickle's a defensive guy. Navy ran for a school record five hundred and sixty nine yards last year. Um, I think that might and- get brought up a little bit during the week. I, I do, but I also see how – I mean, I know the losing streak is there with Navy, but I do see improvement um, from Navy. I, I You know, they might win this game, um, but I, I think Cincinnati, yes, they have wins over, you know, teams like UCLA, uh, one in overtime. I believe they play in two straight overtime games, losing to Temple, who we were both on, and then winning at SMU last week. Uh, but I just look at Navy catching almost two touchdowns there, obviously by up to 14 but Navy plus 13 and a half in a conference game against Cincinnati, who's not known for their offense, I think is what I'm, you know, I think Navy's Correct. gotten caught playing a couple teams that were far superior offensive talent wise, you know, with the spread systems in that conference and knowing how many teams like to throw the ball in that conference. I just think this matches up better for Navy and I think they keep it closer. So I'll take Navy plus 13 and a half. Speaking of the, of the America, how was the, uh, the game last week? I did not make it up. Uh, I was going to go to the rent and catch UConn and UMass, but the 25, 28-mile-an-hour wind with rain sideways outside my house uh, turned me off. So I did not join the other 500 people that showed up at the rent. <laughs> and you call yourself a fan. I'm sorry. Um, maybe next year. That's quite all right. <laughs> Where are we here? I lost my, uh, I lost my, my, my space here. Uh, game that Greg was talking about, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to uh, jump in and give my thoughts on the game there too. But I agree with him. I kind of like Missouri this week, getting the six points against Florida, even though it's in Gainesville. Mm. Uh, I, I, I I do think that Missouri's defense can give Florida's offense some problems. And while uh, I know Missouri put an absolute number on them last year, and there's a bit of a yeah a revenge type situation there and and you're on the road. Uh, I, I kind of view that game a lot like Greg does in that uh, and I hinted at it in the question. I think Missouri just might be so just pissed off with the way they gave that game away that they're going to come out and play really, really well. And while I think Florida should win the game, uh, I, I think this is going to be a pretty close game and I, I would – I would lean towards taking Missouri on the road plus those points. I'm just going to say one thing. If Missouri gets blown out in this game, I, I they are you want to talk about being a cross-off list? They're not even going to be mentioned on this podcast <laughs> because that's going to it's going to factor into that power, you know, the the games and you know, the losses and the wins against inferior competition or even conference opponents. That would drop them to 0 and 5 in the conference, right? Yep. With an NFL quarterback, like, and then I watch him last week, and I'm sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm still bitter because they cost me an undefeated week, but man, you got to make some adjustments, guys. Uh, that's th- there's no way they should have lost that game, and it just ties into everything that 
makes me so frustrated about them. But I do agree with you here that it feels like people are going to look at that game. Um, you know, we talked about it with Greg and, and say, you know, how much, you know, will the previous week affect them? And, oh, Florida's at home. They've been good at home, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I could see it, but man, if Missouri does it again, I'm going to be so ticked off. That was, that was a very oh. big, that was a very, very big win for those who might be holding Missouri under seven and a half win tickets. Correct. Um, correct. But I was, I, you know, I'm just, you know, I get caught in the moment sometimes and little, little, uh, little frustrated, but we're moving on completely as, you can, as you can tell. We're moving on to Cincinnati. <laughs> Yeah, on Cincinnati. Um, we already picked against them. Uh, let's see. Um, a couple totals I'm looking at. Uh, I'm just not sure. USC is at Corvallis. Now, Daniels is going to play in this game. One thing is they're giving 16 and a half. I don't trust any team going to Corvallis oh. and giving that oh. many points. Especially and, SC. Uh, now Helton, you know, had to fire his longtime friend, the O-line coach, um, Callaway, um, obviously not a pretty scene. Yeah. And then, you know, Lynn Swan comes out and says he likes where the program is. You know, you can't believe one word you're, you're hearing out of, out of, you know, Los Angeles, uh, concerning the Trojans. Um, but I look at Oregon state, obviously with the unbelievable comeback last week, um, in Boulder, and one thing Oregon State could do is score. And if they jump out here, USC is going to be in trouble. But the over-under is only 61. I feel like there's no doubt the winner of that game scores 40-plus. No doubt. Um, so I like that over there. Um, well, you mentioned our UConn Huskies. Their, their total against uh, Tulsa in Tulsa is only 59. Um, obviously, Tulsa hasn't been what – Many people thought, but that UConn defense is historically bad. Uh, I would lean to over in that game also. A couple of totals there for you, and, and do a little weather forecasting, I've obviously, as well, because that, that UConn-UMass uh, number last week uh, was really, Oof. really high earlier Good. in the week, and I think a lot of people thought it was going to be a, a game in the 40s, and then when that weather forecast came in, it completely changed but I, I will I will add our listeners were the first people that I saw that were on that with the Nor'easter coming in with the wind and the rain. So props to everybody that's listens to this podcast and and jumped out and 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 let the people know that you know uh, Vegas might have had a wrong number on there and it dropped ten points and it still came in. So I appreciate the people at home listening to this and doing their homework. I really do. I, and my next game, I like Louisiana Tech getting that big number mm. uh, in, in Stark Vegas. What is it, 23, 24, something like that? I'm, I'm scrolling through my 23 and a half. Okay. Uh, again, Mississippi State last week finally broke through, beat A&M, beat the ranked team. Next week they got Alabama. Uh, it's a lot like that spot last year where they had UMass uh, as a massive favorite down there in between some big SEC games. And just did enough to get by. Uh, Louisiana Tech played LSU tough in Death Valley. Uh, I believe they, they nearly beat South Carolina last week, uh, last year rather, in, in Columbia. Uh, Skip Holtz's team it, it, it isn't bad. And I, I think this is one of those like survive and advance sandwich game type spots for, uh, for Mississippi State. I, I, I think they'll win, but uh, I'm not interested in 
in laying 23 and a half points with a team that, well, I don't even think they scored 23 and a half points in the last couple of weeks combined mm. before uh, the A&M game. So give me, uh, give me, give me, uh, give me Louisiana Tech plus the uh, 23 and a half. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go one more total and that is back to the American Memphis in East Carolina. My new favorite player in college football, quarterback from ECU, Holton Aylers. He looks just like Tebow to me. Now, I know people are going to say, talent? No, in the uniform <laughs> I'm talking about. He's a well-built lefty, but he wears number 12, not 15 like Tebow. But the kid's good, man. He's a true freshman. Um, and I, I just like what he's seen. He went 29 of 53 for 406 against UCF two weeks ago. And I believe that was his first start. Uh, he came in the second half the week before against Houston. And, and, and they should have covered numbers. the game. Oh, and they were on bad beats uh, that game. They, they had the ball on the goal line going in, I think, three times and got zero points. And we gave out the over that week because uh, we thought the combination of him and, and Milton Nobody would get us. But Milton hurt. didn't even play. Uh, so we're going to go back to, to, to Greenville. Um, and uh, I, But this game is – no, it is in Greenville. That's right. It is at East Carolina. Uh, Memphis 4-4. Four and four, We know the offensive prowess, but – you know, obviously, Mizzou took it to them, uh, as we can't get away from Missouri on this podcast. Um, but I like the over. It's 64 and a half. So I like the over in this game between Memphis and East Carolina. You talk about the mother of all spots. And, and I don't know if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm fully ready to commit to this one. But it, it, I, I, I need to just kind of do a little bit of soul searching and see if they're interested in playing the remainder of the year. But you've got Boston College as a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Lane Stadium a week after they completely dominated Miami in a home upset win. Mm -hmm. Now you're on the road as a road favorite in a spot where Virginia Tech gave up 100 and 900 rushing yards last week to Georgia Tech. And next week, you've got Clemson coming to coming to Chestnut Hill, and you control your destiny to reach the ACC championship game in the Atlantic Division. Now, you talk about every single star aligning to to, to make Virginia Tech the play here. I I, 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 I I might need a day or so before I decide whether I'm going to uh, go in on this or not. If I decide to. I'll uh, I'll do a little addendum in the uh, in in the column, but um, I, I think that's that's one to keep an eye on. One that I am gonna and, and this is a team that I had in the opener. I think you might have had them as well. Is UNLV? We had them early in the year oh, yeah. against USC with Armani Rogers. Now he has missed a ton of time uh, with a toe injury. Yeah, He's practicing again. They initially thought he was going to be back mm. next week for Hawaii. Uh, there's been no commitment from Tony Sanchez whether or not he is going to play this week. But gotcha. the fact that he's practicing potentially could give UNLV uh, a bit of a boost. So in my uh, in my late night, midnight get back game, West Coast snack, UNLV <laughs> is a 25.5 point underdog against Fresno State, who I think uh, is the best team from the group of five. Are they the best there. team in California? I, 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 uh, yeah, they're absolutely the best team in California. I believe you. Uh, 
They've been awesome defensively. They've been fantastic offensively with McMarion. They're scoring points. The only loss that they have was on a great play by Antoine Winfield in the end zone in a road game at a Big Ten team in Minnesota. They've got Boise State in a short week next week. This is get in, do what you need to do, get out, nobody get hurt. They're not going to go to Vegas and lose, but 25, 25 and a half, I think, are too many, and especially if uh, Armani Rogers does play this week, which I, I, I think it's probably a little bit less than 50-50 that he does, but the fact that he's that he's out there practicing now and they're, they're saying maybe we were a week early within week 11 against Hawaii, might, you might, might have a little bit of a chance. All right. Now, you're saying Fresno's not going to go to Vegas and lose, but they maybe go to Vegas and party? They're absolutely going to go to Vegas okay. and party. <laughs> as, as will I on uh, December the uh, the 15th for the uh, for the Las Vegas Bowl. Nice. like to hear that. Um, do you have any more before we do Moneyline? And there's a couple games I just I, do want to throw I, th- I thought about uh, – here are a couple that I'm still kind of on the fence on. Um, again, if I, if I decide to, to go there, I'll – I'll, Check I'll the po- column. Post an update. Yeah, Check the com. I think SMU is in a good spot against Houston. Houston mm. off that big blowout win over fraudulent South Florida team. Uh, they got Temple next week. SMU coming off the overtime loss. A uh, bit of a rivalry game. Getting two touchdowns at home against Houston could be the right play. Uh, Tulane, uh, we, we, we've seen them beat a team like Memphis earlier the year. Uh, they got South Florida, so we know they can they can do well against against offenses that can put up some points. And USF shows zero interest uh, in tackling, and I think <laughs> that could bode well for the TCU ground game. So I mean, Tulane rather, I think Tulane is interesting. Um, UL Monroe catching Georgia Southern the week after the Eagles pulled the upset over Appalachian State. Uh, UL Monroe was off last week, so that potentially could be a uh, uh, a good spot as well. So um, that, that's where my head is right now, where I'm thinking. So uh, we, we got a bunch for the uh, a bunch for sure, and those are the other ones that we're looking at. Uh, how about what would I have to give you before the season if I told you when Stanford goes to Seattle to play Washington, neither team would be ranked? I would have thought Washington would have been ranked for sure. Stanford, I don't think it surprises me that they're not ranked the way they're scheduled. No, exactly. That's all, I, it's more but, on Washington. But I, I can't I, believe it. So what's going on there? I mean, sir, there's got they, they are terrible offensively. I here's what I I watched them. Uh, I actually, actually was at uh, the Colorado game, and I think Browning's a little gun shy. And what's crazy about it is that he puts the backup in last week. The kid pulls the trigger and throws a pick six, <laughs> and then he ends up losing the game. So. I think Browning got the call. I think this is a very dangerous spot for for Stanford because Washington does have an elite defense. They they do. And they have really good receivers. They're getting the tight end back. I mean, he might have played last week. That's I should have done my homework on that one. But it's just I think it's Browning not pulling the trigger, man. I really do and I I just I I'm really interested because they obviously still have a little bit of a smile on their face because they know they can ruin their rival season at the end, which they've done plenty of times. But man, that 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 team has just confused the heck out of me. 
Um, we do. We should touch on the two other big games: Bama, LSU, and Notre Dame, Northwestern. Uh, you like both dogs to cover one, the other? No, I don't like LSU to cover. Uh, no. I, I think the number. I think the number is a little. Uh, again, fourteen, where somewhere around there. I don't think. I think people are still kind of assuming Alabama is defensive-minded, plotting, can't score, even yeah. with the great year that that Tua and that offense has had. Uh, I, I I would lay it there. The okay. other game, the other game is interesting too. I, I think this is the toughest remaining game for, for for Notre Dame, and it's amazing for me to think that a team could could lose to Akron. And wind up beating Notre Dame and maybe playing in the in the Big Ten championship game in the same year, but uh, Thorson, you know, he threw some picks last week, but he's playing much better offensively. Uh, they shouldn't have beaten Nebraska, but they did. Mm. And, be curious to see how Notre Dame goes. I mean, Notre Dame will have a ton of fans there on Saturday night, but oh, absolutely. That's what I said. Lot, it's gonna be it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of points, I think. For it is. Um, uh, in well, that type book, of game, it's been I, good, I, man. You can. Throw I know. It on I know. He has. I. I. Gosh. I. I gosh. Can, can, uh, Dwight. Wow. I, I, both road fit. I mean, uh, ultimate, isn't Northwestern gonna lose one of these games as an underdog eventually? They've been so great as a dog, not only covering but winning outright. Aren't they gonna lose one of these eventually? And, I, and, I, and I, not I, and not show. I still don't think Brian Kelly. First of all gets enough credit for the job he's done because, I mean, people just – I don't know. they Maybe they don't like his antics, on that, but the guy, you can't argue with what he's done, man. And that offense is good. Yeah, Dexter they are. Is a, is a complete yeah, they are. man at running back, man. And I, I just look at Notre like it just – it's so just like 2012 where everybody just tries to nitpick and and, and pick against them and, and you know, just – not give them credit, and it's perfect because it plays right into them. They're a good team. They have so much talent. And I think that defensive line is something that Northwestern hasn't seen. They are, yeah, they played Michigan. But, I mean, obviously Notre Dame took it to Michigan. So, I don't know. I, I like LSU to cover more than Northwestern for sure. But what do you think? What So, if Alabama's minus 15, what's the first half line going to be, 9 or 10? Do you think they could lay that? Give that? I I I think it, it'll probably be at least ten because of uh, Devin wiping it out. I, I think it will be higher oh, than you normally wow. would. Would have, and, and I th- I think people are going to run to the window and and lay it. I'm curious to see how the first half goes. Uh, yeah. It's one. It's one. Normally, like it'll be great to see the coin toss because normally, like, eh, hey, we'll defer for the second half <laughs> and and if you're LSU, you're taking the ball. If you're Alabama, you're taking the ball because if you're LSU, you're taking the ball because you want Alabama to have one fewer possession, uh, yeah. less time with the ball in the first half without Devin White. And if you're Alabama, you give me the damn ball. I'm, I, I want to be on the field without arguably the, uh, the the best player in college football on the other side of the field. <laughs> so uh, it'll be, it'd be one of those weird, interesting little quirks because of the suspension on Saturday night that both teams are going to want to win the toss and take the ball. Uh, one thing I will point out, I was going to give out Iowa, but I've read some stuff this week and heard from some people. Stanley banged up his thumb against Penn State late in that game. Uh, during media availability, he, he had his like hand in his pocket the whole time. So mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on there. I, and I mentioned before the season, I liked Iowa, but the lack of depth behind him 
scared me away from their overseason win total. So that's something to really keep an eye on up until kickoff in that game. Uh, I think Iowa has the goods to slow down Purdue. Uh, money line pick of the week. I am going to go with the Tulane Green Wave. There we go. Yep. I'm doing it. Washington, I gave a good lean for Purdue, for, for, uh, for Tulane, rather. You're going money line on Tulane. That's, I am. uh, that's duly noted. We, we know how well the, uh, the crossover games have, have gone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I hate to do this as, as, as a money line game. And I think you love it. I, I don't, I don't love it, but how, how can you expect Miami to win a game right now? Oh, their, their boy. quarterback situation is a mess. Their offensive line is a mess. Uh, I think there's more going on there at quarterback than, than Mark Rick basically saying, oh, Malik Rozier gives Miami us the best <laughs> chance to win. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Did you watch, the se- you watch the second half of the Florida State game or, 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 or you'll watch Perry throw the ball against North Carolina? Uh, uh, I, I, I beg to differ. Too uh, I, I think there's more going on there. I don't know if, if Rick doesn't like Perry or whatever. I don't, whatever. But Duke coming off of an embarrassing uh, performance against Pitt uh, as an underdog, they play so well under Cutcliffe. Uh, last year, I know Miami went on the road and won, but I certainly, I certainly wouldn't lay nine and a half. And uh, I, but I, I, I would, I would be interested in sprinkling a little on the money line with the. Uh, with the Blue Devils on uh, on Saturday night, it's going to be an empty but angry fan base. I think mm. at, at Hard Rock Stadium on Saturday night because goals aren't being met for the year. The fans are upset that that Rozier is the quarterback. They're upset at how poor they're playing. Uh, and that Saturday night there, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of empty seats. And the ones that are there, I think the Boo Birds have a chance to come out very early. All right. Um, tough one for my Dukies last week. Needed that yeah. one to, to clinch a, a push for the win total. So we're getting down to nitty gritty. And yes, I am nervous. Uh, but big one for BC this week. The one thing I will say, you, you know, you like, you mentioned maybe Virginia Tech in the column. That game's at 345. I think that makes a little difference. I think that helps BC a little bit in that one. Well, the, the the vaunted home field advantage that is Lane Stadium. Wow, yeah. oh, plenty of people pointing that out. I was gonna say, don't you don't you have to like win a big home game like once? It would help. Well, did, it would help. No, they did once. It was in two thousand, what three against Miami? I think it was what it was, right? You would remember that one. But yeah, you, you so, so so Duke, you need what one to push? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going really to be favored at home against both North Carolina and Wake Forest. Yeah. I'd like to. Well, if you're picking you're, us this you're, week, we'll take you're, this you're week. Gonna, you're <laughs> going to get at least a push on that. All right. You're going to get at least a push on that, if not, still win. All right. Um, you're definitely not losing that. You got anything else before we pick some ponies here? No, I'm 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 ready to uh, to move on. Could you imagine on uh, the first Saturday in in, in November? With the Breeders' Cup of Churchill Downs, uh, that the biggest story in the state is Kentucky football. It's crazy, absolutely amazing. Um, but hey, that's a like I said, it's credit to them. Stoops believing in his kids and all that. Uh, 
Like you, you they're nine and one. They're or not? I shouldn't say they're ranked number ninth in the in the latest rankings. And it's I can't wait to see it unfold. Uh, I I do have to click over and see a little SEC Nation Saturday while you guys are in commercial just to see that vibe in Lexington. I will too. Believe me. <laughs> um. All right. Uh. Here's the deal. Bears got numerous picks for the Breeders' Cup Friday and Saturday. So what we're going to do is I'm going to open the floodgates, and Bear is just going to go until he doesn't have any more picks. So get your pen and your pad out and get your your racing sheets out, and Bear's going to run through all the picks for the Breeders' Cup this week. It's one of my favorite, but, yeah, my uh, my live horse racing betting on Friday and Saturday are pretty limited because of uh, the games going on. I, I do uh-huh. most of my handicapping Thursday night, Friday night, even earlier in the week, and then just kind of chart out what I think my plays are going to be to put myself in a uh, in a good position. So, uh, yeah, some people have been asking about it on Twitter, so I, I uh, the column will be up at some point uh, in the next couple of days. But I, I, I do have some uh, some thoughts on each of these Breeders' Cup races for you. Let's go. Well, we'll, we'll start. I will start on Friday with the. Uh, uh, the the long illustrious juvenile turf sprint, and uh, I'm, I'm going to take a stand against the favorite Strike Silver. Um, I think there's a ton of value in the race. I don't think so, I apologize, but I don't have the program numbers in front of me. I just literally wrote names down. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe Steve or, or if you guys what race number? This this will be the juvenile turf sprint. I believe it's race five on uh okay. on Friday. Uh, so perfect. I, isn't going to be anywhere near twelve to one on the morning line. But but I think she's a must use even in here against the boys. Uh, she's double the price of uh, Sergey Provokyov, who uh, she beat home uh, in August at the Cura. Uh, so I, I think she's some value. Soldier, Soldier's Call, uh, one of the shorter prices in the race. I think he's going to be part of a, a pretty hot pace, and I don't know how long he wants to go. Uh, I'm going to take a shot with a real price price horse in here. Uh, I do know Pocket Dynamo is the number 12 horse, and uh, he's 20 to 1. And uh, I think the last his last race looks to have been uh, pretty much a prep off of a long layoff. And I don't necessarily think he's going to need the lead. So uh, I'll take a price with a, a long shot Pocket Dynamo and use uh, So Perfect in your, uh, your exotics as well. All right, so that's the 12 along with the 10. If you want a little exact box action for the people. There you go. Perfect. All right. Next. Then, uh, ju- the juvenile Phillies turf, I, I think, possesses one of the more likely winners on the two-day card. Uh, Chad mm-hmm. Brown's really brilliant two-year-old Philly newspaper of record. Uh, she's got great tactical speed. Uh, she's been on the lead in the front, and she's no- shown no signs of being close to being beaten. Uh, I think she's going to be tough. And be very tough to even keep out of the uh, the try as well. But you know how I like to play races. I like to find some long shots, some price horses to mix in uh, in the exacta in the try to, um, to to get to get a little bit of value. So I, while along with newspaper of record, I'll use uh, Bell Laura, who I believe is the eight. It's her second try against winners. The seven. Uh, Stellar Agent and the two, uh, the Mackam Bullet as uh, price horses. Uh, with favorite with the uh, with the favorite and tries and exactus. All right, so that's race six on Friday, five eight seven two, for the numbers people out there. 
Exactly. And like I said, if you need to rewind this back or just find this, uh, this information is going to be on ESPN.com. Yep. So you can certainly uh, take match the names and numbers there. Uh, the Juvenile Phillies is, is the next race on on Friday. And I, I've been a fan of Bellafina uh, all summer long. Uh, she's bred in the purchase price. Everything about her uh, to steal a Trevor Denman line exudes class. And I know she's drawn outside, and it's been a theme with a lot of favorites mm-hmm. over the over the couple of over the couple of days. That a lot of the favorites are drawn outside in bad posts. Uh, I don't necessarily think post ten is going to be terrible for her because it's going to force her into a stalking trip with all of the other speed in there. Uh, I, I think she's a short price. I think people are going to try and beat her mm-hmm. uh, because I do think there are some some other horses in there that do fit, and they do make a lot of sense, uh, but I'm going to stick with Bellafina and I'll use uh, Reflect, Restless Rider, and Vibrance as some price horses underneath in my exotic bets. All right, so one, three, four, ten. Ten on top, obviously, with Bellafina there, and that is race seven on Friday. And then, and then race eight, the, ne- the next race, the, the, the juvenile turf race, I think this race is – Begging for a long shot price. I, I think the top Ooh. choices in the race, Anthony Van Dyke, current and 40 under, all have knocks against them. Uh, this is a race, I think, if you're playing pick fours and pick fives, you're really going to want to be deep in here. Uh, the horse that I like the most is Line of Duty, who's been favored, yeah. in, all, who's been favored in all four of his starts, and now he's 10 to 1. Uh, g- give me, give me that all day long. I, I doubt you're going to get ten to one because I think people will notice mm-hmm. uh, the running lines and notice that little asterisk noting that he's been uh, so well backed. But but I think he figures. And then I think if you're looking for a couple of uh, other ones, uh, maybe Henley's Joy and even Tracksmith if he does draw into the race uh, is, is worth using on your ticket. Okay, Henley's Joy the six there, but Line of Duty I like also is the five. And as you mentioned, ten to one now. And after people read the column and hear this podcast, probably going to go off as a favorite, like two to one. <laughs> I don't know about that short. But I, I, I could see maybe six. Uh, that, right. That's a possibility. All right. You got uh, anything the, else on Friday? Yeah, we got one more race. We got the juvenile, which is always is a, is a race that people start dreaming about the Kentucky Derby and Triple ah. Crown possibility for next year. And in, in shocking fashion, imagine this. <laughs> Uh, Bob Baffert has the favorite in the juvenile uh, oh. we, 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 uh, with a two-year-old named Game Winner. And, and he kind of jumps off the page at me. Uh, okay. Again, another outside post, but not all the way outside. Um, again, I think he's a tractical, a tactical speed type, very, very tractable and, and versatile in his running style. And, and I think he can work something out from there. I know. Uh, complexity is a horse from the Chad Brown barn that yeah. is aired and looked really good in his couple of starts. But uh, McLean's music, uh, they really don't want to go much longer. I know uh, his uh, his practice winner uh, last year was by McLean's music. So he, they, they can, but I don't know how much. I don't think complexity is going to get the easy trip up front. Okay. Um, like, like he's had in, in his first couple of starts. I think you could use uh, Standard Deviation, who would Keeneland from the 13 hall still manage a third place finish, mm-hmm. uh, behind a fluke 70 to 1 winner named Nick's Go. <laughs> I, I know you're a big Nick's guy. 
So, so, so I, I think standard deviation is worth using. Uh, I think Signalman, who also was stuck really far outside in a brutal post, a 14's no bargain. Uh, he, he could come running late and maybe pick up a piece, a piece or so. A uh, gunmetal gray is, is, is a horse that I think if you're looking for a price, uh, to, to mix in there, you could use him, uh, in his second start against winners here. Uh, he was three to one against game winner at, at Santa Anita. And if he improves, you would think that he could be a, uh, a contender for the try. One horse that could win and could Ooh. be a part, part of things, but I know I don't who think, I like. I, I, I think, and I love Shug McGahee. And when he runs a two year old, uh, in, in a big spot like this, they're usually very well meant. So I think Code of Honor could be yeah. kind of that. Yeah, he could be that wise guy horse though that he's five to one on the morning line, like and he could get bet down to like seven to two or three to one, or, or maybe even lower on a day like this, and he could win. But I, I just don't think you're going to get the value in terms of where he stacks up on the morning line. Who do you think goes off as a favorite in that one, game winner or complexity? I think game winner will just because okay. of the Bob, the Bob Baffert Association. Gotcha. Uh, I, I think his success there and with the Triple Crown and being so successful with juveniles. I think, I think it'll be him, but I think it'll be close just because of uh, Chad Brown winning the, winning it last year with Good Magic and yeah. and, and his 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 dirt horses are are running a whole lot better now. All right, let's go to Saturday, shall we? We shall, and we, we'll start in the uh, the filling and mare sprint. Uh, Selcourt is a horse who's beaten Marley's Freedom before, but I don't like the running. I don't like the the layoff lines and the, and the way this horse has run. Uh, I think he's got the makings of a, of a horse who kind of has problems, and and they have to be very judicious in how they race him. Uh, John Sadler's Breeders' Cup record is not one that is uh, very good either. So I, I think again, short price Marley's favorite. I'm sorry, Marley's favorite. Marley's Freedom uh, is the eight to five favorite in the race. Um, I, I think she's going to be hard to beat as well. But uh, since Baffert took her took her over in his barn, uh, she's won four races, three different tracks. Uh, I think if you're looking to beat her, um, the horse to look at would be Golden Mischief. Uh, Brad Cox's runners tend to. Uh, Run very big at times, I, I, I will say, and the people who are horse racing uh, junkies kind of kind of know what I mean there. Uh, his, his horses tend to run big at big numbers every now and then on big days. So, so I think Golden Mischief is one to take a look at, it, as well as Miss Sunset. Uh, she's kept good company out out west for uh, being a cowbred and been pretty competitive in a lot of graded stakes races. So I think Miss Sunset might be a horse that you uh, could potentially use. Careful in this race. Golden Mischief's the five. Also, Maya Mischief that is the eight. So get your mischiefs right. I know it's Halloween, Mischief Night, people in the Halloween spirit. So careful betting that race. So, it, it, you, you miss, miss prints costing yourself money on bad days are, uh, <laughs> are, are, are always a problem. <sighs> in, in the, All right, in, what do we got next? Uh, we, we, got the, we got the turf sprint is next. Right, so I four. Um, yeah, Ray Race Four. I want no part of the favorite. No part, Disc- no part of Disco Partner. Uh, yeah. Christophe Clement's uh, record at Churchill is is not very good. Uh, his best running has been done at Belmont. Uh, this isn't Belmont. Uh, Stormy Liberal won the race last year at thirty to one. 
but he, he doesn't leave much margin for error. He kind of gets up late. and While he fits in here, I think it's going to be hard for him to repeat. Uh, Vision Perfect is a horse that I really like in here. Uh, he will be all over my ticket. Jason Service has a couple of horses in here, and when he has multiple horses, the race typically means that he's alive, and not only live, but the longest price of his horses will win. Uh, so I, I vision perfect as a, is, is a horse that I would really use a lot. Uh, but going back to Brad Cox again, Will Call is two for two over the Churchill course. Uh, Ruby Notion has improved greatly since going from Wesley Ward to Darren Miller, which you'd never say. Yeah. Uh, Lost Treasure takes blinkers off and favored in his last two starts. Uh, Aiden O'Brien's horse is 20 to one. I, I just gave you a lot of horses. Like I said, this is why I want no part of Disco Partner because I just ripped <laughs> off what six horses that I think could win the win the race at easily double digit prices. So it looks like one of those one of those races where 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 price is going to win for sure. Um, the the Dirt Mile is a race that it, it's won't be one that you really want to get too invested in uh, if you're playing pick fours and pick fives. You, you can probably get through the race. Uh, by just using City of Light and Catalina Cruiser. Uh, the Philly and Mare Turf is a really interesting race for me. Uh, the horse that kind of w- was the horse that I was hearing about from, from people who follow the, the European racing, uh, Azira, she's kind of been pointed towards this race all year long, but she drew outside post 14, and that's a really no bargain from all the way out there. Uh, despite the draw, I'm still going to use her because it's not impossible. And if she if she wins and pays thirty forty dollars, I'm going to be less than thrilled with myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think Wild Illusion is the horse to beat in here. If she runs back to the couple of races she's run uh, last two out, they're all running for second. Uh, Chad Brown's Philly sister Charlie is three to one, but. I, I don't know. Her form in Europe wasn't exactly that of upper level type horses. Then that maybe Chad Brown will, will, will has improved her enough where she can be competitive against a horse like Wild Illusion. But I don't know. Uh, the, the other Chad Brown in the race is a horse that I, I while New York bred by Freud doesn't scream Breeders' Cup winner on the turf. <laughs> For the four scar crook is a horse that. In her career, she's finished out of the money twice, her debut and her third race. I I think she could be a bit of a forgotten horse and maybe drift up on the board and you potentially could get a little bit of value with a a horse there that uh, she runs consistently hard-knocking and she has taken a liking to potentially a soft ground. And with the weather in Kentucky this week, uh, uh, I would not expect a firm turf course at all. All right. Uh, we're, we're getting there. We got five more to do. We sure uh, do. We, 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 we do. The, the sprint is a race that I think is really even hurt by the, the mile. Uh, a lot of these sprinters try to stretch out to a longer distance. So the sprint used to be a great race, full, a full field, and you'd get a lot of long shots. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to be super, super prices in, in this rate. Limousine Liberal will probably get that down from his uh, six to one morning line. He's six for eight. Lifetime of Churchill. Uh, I, I think you're going to see Imperial Hint promises fulfilled and Distinctive B throw, throwing down on the front end. 
And I think that it's going to set up for someone, whether it's Limousine Liberal or Roy H., who comes from the same barn as Distinctive B. So, so, I, so I think Roy H. could be a horse from the outside that could work out a good trip. Whitmore, I would like, I, I want to like Whitmore. Uh, yeah. I think you're going to need to judge Whitmore on uh, his race at Churchill in May. Did he, A, run poorly because of the drawing the rail? Or B, did he run poorly because of the slop? If you think he ran poorly because of the rail, he's on the rail again here, and you're not mm-hmm. going to want to use him. But if you think it was more of, you know what, he didn't like the track that day, I'm willing to give him another shot, you're probably going to get a really good price on Whitmore at, a, at about 6 or 7 to 1. And, and, and I think the way the race sets up pace-wise, uh, I, I think you could certainly use him. Would love to see Whitmore live up to the hype it had one day at one time. Yeah, a horse that was cut, cut, cutting back, and he's definitely been better as a um, as a sprinter, seven for a long time horse than than, yeah. than going long. And a mile, a mile could could probably be his his max. But I'm glad he's running the sprint instead yeah. of the dirt mile. Uh, the the turf mile is, uh, or just the mile as it's called. Mm-hmm. Is, is another wide open type race. Uh, people, I think, are going to flock to analyze it from the Chad <laughs> Brown barn, who <laughs> looked fantastic early in the year, but then in his next couple of races, he just kind of hung. He'd get to the lead and just kind of get a little bit lazy, and, and and he'd let horses back into the race. So I'm I'm not necessarily on board with analyze it, even with the weight break. Um, the horse I like is Polly Dream. I think she had a brutal trip uh, in her last race at Longshop when it's pretty obvious, I think, to me that she it was a total prep for the race. Um, I think she's a square five to one shot here. She was three to two when she was beaten over in France. And I don't know how much money she's going to take. So hopefully we'll get a, a, a pretty good price on her. Uh, the other Chad Brown horse, Almanar, is pretty interesting at 12 to one. He ran huge in the Arlington Million uh, when he was beaten just a half a length by Robert Bruce. Uh, then from post-13, I think it was at Keeneland, he ran terrible. Uh, Chad Brown uh, has improved him from his European form. He, he kind of fit over in Europe and ran well. So uh, he wouldn't be as shocking to me here. Uh, An expert eye is another three-year-old uh, who gets he'll, he'll get, a, get some weight here. Drew better than analyzed it, analyzed it did here. And uh, I think he is another one who could win. But I think uh, Polly Dream is my top choice, and I'd make uh, Expert Eye as my, my backup choice. All right. We're and, rolling it, there. The, the distaff is a race where I think you need to go into it saying, am I going to give the race to Abel Tasman, or am I going to try and beat Abel Tasman? Because I think you can make a good argument for both schools of thought, whether you, th- you you forgive her for the loss uh, when she was horrific, and then you remember, and then you can remember how great she was in the Kentucky Oaks uh, and great Saratoga. Uh, if, if you're going to say it's either single or just go really deep, but but I think it's a race where if you don't like Abel Tasman, I don't know if you necessarily want to fall to Monomoy Girl. From post, she won from post fourteen in the Oaks. She's drawn all the way outside again. End of a tough three year old campaign, so it's no bargain for her there. And then Midnight Bisu is is a horse who 
she improved a ton and ran a, a 101 buyer in her last start, which I think was seven points higher than any other of her lifetime starts. Uh, in my opinion, I think she's more likely to to regress and, and bounce than find herself in the winner's circle. So if you don't like Abel Tasman, I wouldn't necessarily just fall to Midnight Pursue and uh, Monomoy Girl uh, as your winner. I mean, I could really see myself using a horse like Champagne Dreams in a really big number uh, with Calvin Burrell for Ian Wilkes. Draws inside, and, and uh, this is a race where I think either Abel Tasman wins deservingly as the favorite or the, uh, the tote board is lit up. Abel Tasman, very close to my heart, Bear, because I was there, as I mentioned, for the Kentucky Oaks one a couple of years back. And, and, and she ran awesome that day, got a great setup, and, and just came rolling home. And uh, it was so much the best. And maybe that's the type of trip that 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 trip that day would work pretty well on Saturday. <laughs> All right. Race 10. The, 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 the turf, I think, is another one of the uh, more logical winners on the card. Enable. Uh, she's nine for 10 lifetime. She drew post two. Uh, a lot can happen over a mile and a half, but I think she's going to be tough to beat. Her, her biggest competition is always by the name of Waldgeist. Who, who drew terribly outside in post 12. Uh, that could, if you still like them, you're going to probably going to get better than the nine to two uh, morning line odds that, that are on him right now. And uh, I will say this, if, if these jockeys let gold, glorious empire get away and Julian Lepreau get away with, with an easy league, thinking he's going to come right back to them. Like he has, uh, it, it's like, I thought he would at Saratoga. Uh, they might be sadly mistaken because glorious empire is a game horse. And, um, We'll, we'll see if he can class up to a horse like a Nabel or a Wall Guys. I don't know, but a Glorious Empire, if he gets away on, a, on an easy lead, he could be a very tough to pass in the lane. But uh, if the trip, if the pay, if the, uh, the races run the way it looks like it's set up on paper, uh, Enable just stands out clearly over, over this field, and especially with Wall Guys post. Got it. Uh, moving on. Who do you like in the classic? Do you have, do you have any thoughts on the classic? I'll tell you who I don't like. I don't like Thunder Snow because Kenny Maine's on Thunder Snow. Again? Uh-huh. Yeah. See, the, 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 un, uh, un, un, unlike the Derby, I, I could kind of make a case for him here. Okay. Um, what do we got? Is it going to end up being 14 horses? Yeah, it's going to be 14 horses. Accelerate. Yeah. You you can have Accelerate from post 14 on the outside. I could see myself going like six or seven deep in this race, and, and, I, I, and I won't use Accelerate. I don't, I, just, know much, I don't know much about McKenzie. Um, Mendelssohn I've seen enough of, it feels like, but then whenever I give up on it, it's, uh, it's going to come back. How, what, tell me about Mind Your Biscuits. Uh, Mind Your Biscuits, I think, is going to be a forgotten horse in here. Uh, okay. I, I think with the return of McKenzie, uh, I think Mendelssohn, who you, you, I wouldn't bet with your money, uh, Catholic <laughs> Catholic boy, I, I think, is a horse, that the three-year-old. People like to bet the three-year-olds in, yeah. in these classics. Uh, I don't know, but Mind Your Biscuits, like Posse doesn't scream Breeders' Cup classic distance sire, mm-hmm. but in his last couple of races, he's had the look of a horse that doesn't necessarily mind going long. He's finished well, and, and I and I could see him getting a a, a big part of this race. Um, 
I think it sets up for a long shot because I think McKinsey's going to go to the front. I think Accelerate's going to wow. go to the front. I think Mendelssohn's going to go to the front. And, and I think you're looking at – I think the winner comes from a group of four horses. I, I mentioned Mind Your Biscuits, who, who I think uh, figures Pavel won the Stephen Foster over this track. Mario Gutierrez mm-hmm. and, and Doug O'Neill have done very well. It, it, Churchill Downs, I think he's got a little bit of wise guy potential as well. So you might not get 20 to 1. But uh, I still think you're going to get a good price on him. Uh, I Thunder Snow. I, I I know Kenny. You said is back on him, but yeah, I think there. You look at his dirt form since the Kentucky Derby. He really won a winning race last time out in the Jockey Gold Club. He should have won that race, um, but I think he's got the right style. Maybe this is the. Uh, the Breeders' Cup Classic for Godolphin that eluded Saki in 2001 with that great stretch drive with uh, with, with Tisdale. And, and then Yoshida, Bob, uh, Bob, I was going to say Bob Patrick, uh, Bill Mott, uh, Bill Mott, his trainer, he usually wins big races at big prices. And Yoshida is going to be probably 10, 12 to 1 or so. And, and the thing that Yoshida has going for him is his two best figures – Number one came on dirt in his last start in the win at Saratoga. And his other time, and his other time in a turf race at Churchill Downs. So he's shown he's like the turf at Churchill. He's shown he's like the dirt. Now can you kind of wed the two together and say, you know what? I like the dirt in Kentucky as well, but uh, West Coast can win, but I'm kind of indifferent on his chances. Johnny V's on West Coast, right? Johnny V's on West Coast. he he can win, but he seems like more of an underneath type of horse. So like I said, I, I think the winner comes from either Mind Your Biscuits, Thunder Snow, Pavel, or Yoshida. Yeah, and hopefully, I lost, I lost a lot of money previously on Lone Sailor too. So I think I'm done with Lone Sailor. <laughs> and another three year old with the Stone Cold closing style. <laughs> uh yeah, it, it's tough. I I like your call of of being a long shot here because of what we've seen from so many of these horses. So. Yoshida's the one I, I I don't know. Mind your biscuits. Just looking at the numbers, I think I feel like that's going to be the one. Who goes off as the favorite? I think Accelerate will go off as you the do. favorite, even, even from the outside. All the way outside. Yeah. Wow. I I, I, I I don't think McKenzie will. I mean, West Coast could. I think it'll be either Accelerate or West Coast would be, would be my guess. All right, and then I won't say there's a five. Uh, and then what's, or Irad is on the four. I believe that's correct. I, I don't have the, uh, the, the PPs in front of me. I should. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. He is. He is. Cause the other Ortiz is on Yoshida. Right. Yeah. Ho, 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 okay. right. Right. Yep. For, uh, for All right. So you want, what do you, you got an exact box for me? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd box those four, I'd box those four horses, mind your biscuits, thunder, snow, pobble, and, and Yoshida, throw accelerate completely out. If you want to put West Coast in there and make it a five horse exact box of mind your biscuits, thunder, snow, pobble, Yoshida, and, and West Coast, maybe you could do that. Maybe that, that might work out for you. All right. Pobble the eight, West Coast the seven, Yoshida the ten, mind your biscuits the eleven. I like it. Uh, all right. Anything else to say on your, your upcoming Saturday from Churchill. I'm not saying you're going to be there, but you'll be there in spirit. It, 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 yeah, I was going to say it's going to be a uh, <laughs> it, it's going to be a challenging weekend to just kind of like 
be on that plane from Baton Rouge to, to Ann Arbor and just kind of like see like results just like flash up and not getting a chance to actually watch many of these races. But, uh, I, uh, I, I, as you can tell, I had thoughts on all of them and hopefully, uh, couple of these thoughts and a couple of these prices will pan out and it'll be a uh, profitable couple of days. Awesome. Uh, all right. We'll say we'll, we'll, we'll give our goodbye as normal here. Good luck to all with the football and the horses. Bear, take us away. And remember, the less you bet, the more you lose when you win. <laughs>